Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. The Lord's Prayer is one of the most amazing patterns of prayer ever given. And studying the Lord's Prayer teaches us so many things about not only how to pray, but how to live. You know, the way that we pray shapes the way that we live. Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is taught in what's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. There's another time in Jesus' ministry when the disciples came to him when he was praying privately. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And once again, he gave them the same prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. That's found in the opening of Luke chapter 11. So this was a prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples to give us a framework for prayer. It covers every aspect of life. It covers every area of our needs. It teaches us to pray for others with the same level of concern that we have about our own needs. One of the unique features of the Lord's Prayer is that it never has a personal pronoun. It never uses I. It's always plural. Our Father, who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And in that sense, it helps in prayer to fulfill the great commandments, to love the Lord your God, our Father, and to love your neighbor. Give us this day our daily bread. Personally, I pray the Lord's Prayer every morning. It's a part of the way I begin my day. And I don't pray it in the sense of just reciting it. I pray it to God from my heart. It covers every area of life and need. One of the reasons I do that is because the prayer contains the word daily. Give us this day our daily bread. And so it's a prayer that I pray daily. I was out in San Antonio, Texas, not too long ago for a church convention, and there was a minister and his wife who retired from active ministry, but came and told me that they watched our services online and enjoyed the Bible studies and said that I shared something one day they'd never thought about in their life. And they said, we've been doing it ever since. I said, what was that? They said, you said that in a sermon that you pray the Lord's Prayer every day. We never thought of that. But you know, every morning together, we pray it. And it's made such a powerful difference in our lives. Now, the Lord's Prayer is a very brief prayer, but it is comprehensive. It is so powerful in what it teaches us about God and ourselves. You know, everything in the Bible is revealing God to us. Throughout the history of the world and different religions, most have kind of approached spirituality from man's pursuit, humanity's pursuit of God, trying to know God. The Greek philosophers talked about understanding God through intellect and through education. Later, some of them emphasized more experience, more mystical experiences, and even emotion. But what's unique about God in the Bible, the way the Bible teaches us about God, even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament when Jesus came, the Bible reveals that God makes himself known to us. Instead of us pursuing God, God reveals himself to us 
And his highest revelation is when he came to us through his son, who is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1 and 15. So the Bible is always revealing something about who God is and how he relates to us, how he deals with us, and how we can relate to him. So it's important whenever you read the Bible to ask yourself, what does this teach me about God? And the Lord's Prayer teaches us a lot about who God is. And one of the reasons Jesus gave us his prayer is because it helps us to know who God is. Now, we begin with the opening to this beautiful prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So here it begins with this phrase, our Father who art in heaven. Let's talk about our Father in heaven. Here we learn the fatherhood of God. Now, we don't measure the fatherhood of God by imperfect fathers. I'm a father, had a great father. Many of you are fathers. Some of you will be fathers. We all have fathers, and sometimes people have had experiences of bad fathers or negative fathers or absent fathers. We know that fatherlessness is a major crisis in America, and for many years it is noted by sociologists as the primary root cause of a lot of drug addiction, of violence, of imprisonment, of especially young men that have grown up without fathers to care for them. And sometimes people, because they've had a negative experience with the father, maybe an abusive father, an overbearing father, an absent father, that somehow they have a hard time connecting with this language. But I would encourage you to not project your father, the attributes of your dad, onto God and see God in such a limited perspective. But here we learn about who God is as our father. And for all of us who are fathers, this prayer teaches us how we need to act as fathers. So we learn here that God is our father. It's interesting that Jesus starts off here saying the primary way you need to think of God is as your father, as a loving father, as a loving parent who cares for you. And all of us know the love of our parents And all of us who are parents know the feeling that we have in our hearts for our children. We do anything for our kids. And in that sense, we can see something of God's love for us and care for us. Now, in the scripture, God is often referred to as father. And he doesn't start here that God is the king of Israel. God is the Lord of creation. He doesn't start with God as our creator. With these real transcendent concepts of God, he starts right down here where we live with a term we understand. An emotional term, father. What a beautiful and touching way to think of God. Instead of God long way off the universe, God the creator of all this massive universe, to think of God as your father. Now in the Bible, he's often referred to the father. In Psalm 68, 5, the psalmist said that God is a father of the fatherless. In fact, the Bible tells us there that he sets the lonely in families. I've often shared that scripture with people who are adopted. Sometimes when people are adopted into families as kids and then they begin to grow up and they learn that they were adopted, sometimes they look for their parents, have a friend of mine who's adopted. And I said, do you ever want to meet your your mother? He said, no, no, I couldn't handle that. Sometimes people feel that they were abandoned. But you know, if you've been adopted, God puts you in your family. 
He sets the lonely in families. So he's a father of the fatherless. He's also called the father of provision. Jesus said of him in Matthew 7, 11, if you were evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Paul the apostle referred to God as the God of all comfort and the father of compassion. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, James calls him the father of light in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. God doesn't change. He's consistent, the father of light, of truth. And finally, the Apostle Peter tells us that God is our father is impartial. You know, if you have more than one kids, it's easy to show partiality or favoritism, but he's an impartial father. Second Peter chapter one, verse 17, he says that he shows no impartiality to us as his children. Well, if God is our father, then that defines who we are. We are the children of God. We're the sons of God and the daughters of God. And when you're born again through faith in Jesus, you become a son and daughter of God. And you may be thinking, well, aren't all people children of God by creation? Yes. But you know, there are two different kinds of children. There are children of obedience and the children of disobedience. We are children of God by creation, but we're also sinful and we've rebelled against God. And when we're born again, we come to God like the prodigal son when he left his state of rebellion. He comes back home to his father. Now he's a son who's trustworthy and loving and respectful. And when we're born again, our sins are forgiven and we have a right attitude toward God of faith and obedience. So John 1 and 12 says, as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. First John 3 and 1 says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. And in Romans 8, 14 through 17, it says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If we're children, then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Well, if God is our father and we are his children, then that what does that make you and me? What does that make humanity? You see, it makes all humanity the family of God. And in this prayer, we begin to understand the unity of humanity. There's so much division in the world today because we don't understand biblical anthropology. You see, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 and 28 that God blessed Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Genesis 3 and 20 says that Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. Think about that. You and I have the same mother and father, Adam and Eve. Paul even tells us in Romans 5 and 12 that it was through the sin of one man, our father Adam, that sin came into the world and death through sin. We've all inherited this nature, this fallen nature of our father, Adam. In Galatians 3 and 28 tells us that when you're or in Christ, when you're born again, he says in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. And there's so many divisions in the world. And we talk about discrimination and there's racism. That's because people don't understand there's only one race, one human race. Acts 17, 28 says, from one man, God made all nations on earth. From one man, Adam, Adam and Eve, our parents. And so God is our father. We are his children. And that makes us brothers and sisters. I love the way Paul puts the unity of humanity in Ephesians chapter four, verse five and six. There is one body, speaking of the church, and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. That is, when you're born again, your hope is in Jesus. One Lord, who is Christ, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. And so when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, 
we recognize that God is our Father, a Father to the fatherless, a Father of compassion, a Father of divine provision, a Father of light, a Father who's impartial, that we are His sons and daughters and that together we are brothers and sisters. There should be no division, no racism, no discrimination, no superiority, no inferiority to understand the unity of humanity made in God's image. And they're two kind of kids. They're rebellious kids and obedient kids. And when we come to Christ, we become obedient to God and we are submissive to him as his children. Well, if God is our father, this helps us understand our relationship to him as our father because the father has kids. And so there's the way that the father treats the kids and there's this way the kids respond to the father. And so this prayer makes us think about what is our proper response to God as our father. Well, the Bible tells us some things about how God as our father acts toward us, how he treats us, how he deals with us. First of all, we learn from the scripture that God is attentive to our needs and he's active in our lives. Now, all good fathers are attentive to their children. They listen to their kids. Bad fathers are always giving commands. Good fathers are giving commands and also asking questions. Well, how are you doing? What do you think? They're attentive. They're paying attention to where their children are. They're noticing when they come into the house, when they go out. They're noticing where they are emotionally. They're noticing their attitudes. God is attentive to us, and he's active in our lives. See, the psalmist said of him, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth, Psalm 145, 18. You know, the word temple in the Old Testament means the dwelling of God, the place where God lives. Moses, when he built the tabernacle, he put it in the middle of the encampments. They had the 12 tribes of Israel that camped around the tabernacle in the Ark of the Covenant because that tabernacle represented God in the very midst of his people. And God is with you. And God is attentive to your needs. And God is active in your life. Even from prison where a person could feel abandoned. Many people are abandoned by their families in prison. I've had the privilege of performing music and preaching the gospel in just about every prison in the state of Georgia in our prison work together. I know it's a lonely place, and one of the things that happens to prisoners and people incarcerated is that their family stops visiting them, and they get very alone. But even in Paul in prison, he certainly felt cut off from people, but he never felt that God left him. It's from prison that he writes in Philippians 4, Verse four and following, rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is near. Even in prison, he felt that God was attentive to his knees, present with him, near, and that God was active in his life. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that we are engraved on the palm of God's hand. Think about that. When God says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me, Isaiah 19, 16. Think about that, that you and I are just inscribed in the hand of God. He never forgets us. He's always aware of us. So God is your father, although he's in heaven, although he inhabits all of eternity, although God is invisible to our natural sight, God is attentive to us and active in our lives. But we also learn that God disciplines us so that we may share in his holiness. That's what he says in Hebrews 12, 5 through 14. When God disciplines, you don't get discouraged. That God disciplines us that we may share in his holiness. Now, discipline is more than punishment. It means training, development, and nurture. God disciplines us through his word and through the work of the Holy Spirit because he loves us. And we should accept the discipline of God. There are times that we all need to be disciplined. And we know that growing up, we all did things that are wrong. And there are times that we got corrected for it. And that made us better people. 
And all of us are parents know that times you got to draw the line with your kids and you've got to sometimes intervene. Sometimes you have to punish, you have to teach, you have to correct and say, no, this is the right way to go. Well, God is the same way with us. And sometimes people just want to talk about how God blesses us and favors us and all that is true. But God also disciplines us as our father. And we need that to share in his holiness. And finally, we learn that God as our father is merciful to us and he forgives us freely our sins. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, as a father has mercy on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. He remembers that we are as dust. The parable of the prodigal son that Jesus taught is really about the prodigal father. The story is actually about the father, not the son. Even though his son took his inheritance and went out and blew all of his money and partied it all up, lived in poverty, worked in a pig farm, he finally came to his senses and went home to apologize and tell his father he was sorry for his attitude, his rebellion. And as soon as the father saw him coming down the road in Jesus' story, he said the father ran out of the house and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he told his servants to bring out the robe and put on him and the, the, the ring, the signet ring of the family, put that on his finger and shoes on his feet. And they held a big festival for him. And the father restored him to his place of honor. It's a story about God because we've all lived the story of the prodigal son. Some may be worse than others. Some have gone further away than others, but we've all at times strayed and rebelled. And God is always ready to forgive us and to restore us to a place of honor. So when we come to pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, let's remember who God is is our Father. He's attentive, He's active, He's present, He's merciful, He's kind, and yes, He disciplines us. We are His children. And also when you meet a stranger, remember that's your brother or sister. When you go to the house of God, those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That gives us a sense of love for others as the family of God. Let's join together in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we can call You our Father. And I pray today that the word will bring a greater revelation to us of what it really means to be your children of love and faith and obedience in Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the word of God with me today. Do me a favor. I want you to go now and subscribe to my personal YouTube channel, also to Mount Perrin channel, and subscribe and follow me on social media and also Mount Perrin. We'll be able to share together many of the exciting things that we're doing in the church family and our missions work together. I'll share personal things of my life and what Barbie and I are doing as well. So go and subscribe today and follow us on social media so that we can stick together as the family of God. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you in worship. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.